From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 270. Today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks, Direct Mail, and Eero. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. How are big, you? Big, big show today. Big, big show. show lots today. Of, lots going lots on in the world. Stuff. Funny. Funny how that is. The culmination of many years of discussion. Uh, well, not culmination, because it's not ended. But anyway, we'll find out later on as we go very upstream heavy as we talk about Apple TV+. Plus. But before we get to all of that, we have lots of things to cover, including our Snell Talk question, which comes from Jared. And Jared wants to know, Jason, what way of hearing about Apple products, like new Apple releases, do you prefer? Do you like to go to events, or do you, like with, you know, you go see the iPhone at an event and find out there? Or would you prefer to go to private briefings in advance of press releases? What would you personally prefer? Oh, interesting. Um, oh, that's a good question. I, I... I would say getting briefed privately under embargo in advance so that you know something the world doesn't know yep. is awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the best. That's the best. Because then you're breaking the news. When your embargo drops and you release your story, mm-hmm. nobody's heard of this product before. I remember when we did this um, a long time ago. It was, I think Mountain Lion was the surprise OS release. There were literally no rumors. That was no the rumors. big one. That was no like rumors. I mean, wild. It, an OS, yeah. a Mac OS release is is not like the biggest product in the world, but like they had managed to keep it so there was essentially no discussion of there being a Mac OS update. Everybody really assumed it would be another six months before there'd be a Mac OS update. And we got called to these briefings, and I've told the story before, but like I remember, um, I remember leaving and uh, and running into MG Siegler, who was writing a TechCrunch at that point in the in the parking lot, and we both looked at each other and just shook our heads, like, "What?" <laughs> because we had gotten briefed on a product release that was going to be happening, uh, and imagine like a new version of macOS that no nobody knew about that was going to release. It's the it, it's really awesome because then we post our stories and people are like, "They don't believe you." They're like, "Did you make this up?" And I'm like, "No, this is this is real." Breaking news is the best. So uh, it's nice to go to an event and see it there, and then if you are fortunate enough to be invited to get like your hands on them before other people and all of that, that's great. That that's all that's all good. But there really is nothing that beats being on an embargo and you felt this because we did it for the IMAX, right? Yeah. Again, not I the felt biggest product the in the absolute world. Absolute terror of that. Yes. I found sure, it horrifying. <laughs> sure. But it's also well, okay, so so that that is the uh the question about like you had to rename we, we had to name the file something different. You don't want to mess up and and give away the secrets because, you know, Apple is taking you into confidence and if you blow it, you're never gonna get anything from mm-hmm. Apple ever again. Uh, but, so there's some pressure there, but also it's uh, it's kind of awesome. to like. I remember getting the readout of what all the features of the new IMAX were while I was in a cab, mm-hmm. <laughs> like going to New York City to do the interview. And, you know, it's just kind of cool. It's like, here's this thing that the world doesn't know yet that you know. It's, uh, that's pretty awesome. Thanks so much to that awesome question from Jared. You can send in a question to help us open an episode of the show by just tweeting with the hashtag SnellTalk. Some follow-up. Photoshop on the iPad is out today. Yes. Um, And Adobe's doing a big uh, press thing. Their Adobe Max conference is going on right now. Um, It is available, as has been noted, on this show and uh, endlessly by lots of people I follow on Twitter and seeing lots of articles written about this. Adobe Photoshop on iPad still has a way to go. It's, I mean, it's not 100% of Photoshop at all, but it is like the intent is that this is Photoshop and it's going to open your PSD files and it's going to, uh, it's going to 
grow over time and as they get more and more features into it. But this is the idea is that this is not some strange Photoshop spinoff product like we've had on iOS before. It's going to be real, but it starts here and it continues. I've also seen a lot of people who act like really surprised when Adobe rolls it out and says that you need to subscribe to to get it because Adobe's, I don't know where you've been, but Adobe's been on a subscription model for a very long time now. And, you know, the, the target audience for this is people who pay for Photoshop. And mm-hmm. if you pay for Photoshop, then you can use Photoshop on iPad and Mac and Windows and wherever else you want and use their cloud syncing if you want to do that. So, you know, I, I think I think there are no real surprises here. It's good that it's finally out. I wish it did more because, of course, don't we all wish it did everything? But they are uh, committed to it. And it's so good to have... Uh, Adobe committed to a real Photoshop on iPad instead of these weird little side project Photoshops that we've had up to now. Um, I will say my first attempt to use it, I tried to open a whole bunch of PSD files that I have on my server that I use to design like podcast art and stuff like that. And um, most of the, like the first five I tried, it said, I can't open this file is incompatible, which Mm -hmm. is weird because it's a PSD and it opens fine in Photoshop on my Mac. Um, and uh, I don't know what's going on with that. I, I Other PSDs that I, I went to later, um, I was able to open without any trouble. So I'm wondering whether that's a bug or if there there is a file compatibility issue that they're not properly describing because they're like, I don't know how to open this file. It's like, it's a PSD with maximized compatibility checked. So I don't know why that, that didn't work. So, you know, it's a, it's a 1.0. It's literally a 1.0 version, but mm-hmm. it's exciting that it's here. I'm glad. And it says something about the iPad that they're they're embracing it and they're embracing the Apple Pencil. And it's a it's a good good way to start. And they're doubling down on this. Uh, they announced today that uh, in 2020, we will be getting Illustrator on the iPad as well. So Adobe is being aggressive. They're moving. Uh, you know, they, they have work to do, as you said, but they are moving towards the iPad becoming a very serious platform for them um, as yep. they are bringing their key uh, tools about time. To, to, the, to the product. Yeah, it's about right. time. Speaking of which, do you want to talk about Dungeons and Dragons, Jason Snell? Yeah, of course. Some important Dungeons and Dragons follow-up. Well, we have to mention this. So starting earlier this year, um, we streamed some D&D games that we were playing on your Twitch channel for Playing for Fun Mm -hmm. because you and Tiff uh, were playing, Tiff Arment, were playing Dungeons and Dragons in a group that included a whole bunch of other people, DM'd by Tony Sindelar, who's done a bunch of the games on Total Party Kill on the Incomparable Network, our weekly Dungeons and Dragons actual play D&D podcast. And the follow-up is that today we dropped episode one of that. It's episode 212 of Total Party Kill, but it's the first episode of this new adventure with these new characters. And if you would like to hear me and Mike, and Tiff, and James Thompson, and Mike's wife, Adina, and uh, Elizabeth Miles, who, uh, if you've listened to, especially like Doctor Who podcasts, you know who Liz is. Um, it, we are all playing Dungeons & Dragons together. Other than me, I think everybody is basically a first-time or first-time-in-decades D&D player, so that's kind of fun. They're sort of new players with new characters in a new adventure, and we had a lot of fun. So it's mostly yeah. UK people with a few token americans and uh and the first episode dropped today and then they will be weekly from here on out for the next i don't know a few months at least 
Yeah, it's been wonderful to play, um, and uh, I really hope that people will enjoy it as uh, many of us stumble our way through Dungeons and Dragons for yeah. the first time. So yeah, it's a good it's a good uh, jumping on point. I mean, it's so it's episode uh, two hundred and twelve of Total Party Kill. But if you just start with that one and then listen weekly, you will get this story and you don't you you can go back and listen to the other stories later that's great but this one starts here no previous knowledge required and it's worth just checking out for james thompson's episodic uh lego dioramas that he's oh yeah constructing we should mention so what we did uh james got really excited about this and in a couple of ways that are interesting uh one is he he loves lego and so he built lego versions of all of our characters which was fun um, and the the show art is of like a lineup of all the characters in Lego form. Um, but what we decided to do kind of after the fact is James thought, what if I built uh, a scene from every episode in a Lego diorama and took a picture of it? And so every episode has a, an accompanying kind of Lego image of something that happened in that episode, which is hilarious. Also, those who are wondering, um, if you listen especially... Uh, how it is that James has written an entire app uh, where you roll dice um, and yet had not played D&D before doing this since he was a kid. Um, the the answer is that we started recording this so, so long ago that he bought a bunch of dice because he was excited about playing D&D and we talked about dice and we talked about uh, there should be a dice rolling app and then he wrote the app. So now that app is out for every Apple platform. Uh, but this uh, this season of TPK is actually where James got the inspiration to do that. Yep. And uh, you can also hear as that unfolds uh, mm-hmm. in, in past time. So I guess yes. worth checking it's out. A, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I hope warp. that you enjoy it if you do check it out. So there you go. Apple earnings time, Jason Snell. Oh boy. Money, 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 money. Now everybody who listens to this show <laughs> loves that I, I love to talk about this. Uh, uh-huh. I saw somebody say this recently on Twitter, and I completely agree. They said they were a business nerd, and I think I am one of those types of people. All right, you worked at a bank. It's it's. Yeah, I'm not surprised. That, it's just I am interested in the way that businesses operate, which is like one of the reasons that I enjoy Upstream because it's like this is a new business venture for a lot of these entertainment companies. They're changing their business, right? And I find it fascinating. But we are going to devote far less time than usual to this today because we have so much to talk about. But I will give the headlines. So uh, this is for Apple's Q4 results, right? But it's not Canada Q4, it's financial Q4. Fourth fiscal quarter, right. So ending uh, the end of September. So just after yep. the iPhones came out. So they were at $64 billion in revenue, which is up from $62.9 billion year over year. Biggest revenue quarter in the fourth quarter ever, mm-hmm. which is you know only by a little. But it's once again, there is so often the quarterly revenue number is a record, and it was again. But check this one out. $13.7 billion in profit, down from $14.1 billion profit uh-huh. a year ago. What does that mean, Jason? Uh, it means they are spending more money on stuff. And this came up in the analyst call. You know, they're buying TV shows. They're investing in R&D and a bunch of stuff. And basically, um, the CFO, Luca Maestri, sort of shrugged and said, yep, that's what we do. We we are investing in R&D because we got to stay on the cutting edge. And then mm-hmm. we're investing in the services stuff because we think it's really important. And so, yes, that's that's the, the long mean, and short of it. Who needs 13 13- billion dollars in profit like what company needs that like what are you doing with it you know like spend it on stuff it's good i think that's good i think it's good business spend it on stuff 
Sure. Uh, the iPhone is down 9% year over year. Bad, but not so bad. So I'll read a quote. This came from the Six Colors <laughs> event uh, Twitter account. iPhone revenue was $33 billion in profit. 9% decline is a significant improvement over 15% decline in the first three uh-huh. quarters of the year. Significant upswing is mirrored in positive reviews and response to the new iPhones. So it seems like Apple is turning the tide a little bit, but it's still not perfect. You gotta love it when down is up, right? <laughs> when down is up. But this is—we talked about this um, in a different context about the iPad a couple of years ago, where we were trying the iPad kept going down, and we were trying to find a silver lining, like any sign <laughs> that the iPad was going to hit bottom. And then there were uh, like two or three quarters in a row where the iPads decline, declined, and we're like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it went down by less." And you know, it, as ridiculous as that is, it it was a positive sign, and it did yep. actually turn around. It's the you know it has slowed its descent and now it's not climbing but the des- you got to slow your descent before you can start to climb right well that's mm-hmm. where the iphone is it was down but it was down substantially less than it was down the first three quarters of this fiscal year and that is generally a sign and i think they said that september looked really good and september would have been the only month where the new phones were on sale at all so they're basically saying yeah we think that this is turning the tide and that the phone is going to a better place even though it was still down I'm super intrigued to see what Q4 looks like for the iPhone. Yeah, I mean, we'll right. It's holiday quarter, and well, it's real, a three three mm-hmm. full quarters of of um of their of their new iPhones uh, for us to analyze. That it, they're positive about it, but you know, there's a lot of range. Their guidance for next year, next quarter is. Um, it's about five billion dollars wide, and it goes from being sort of like up a little to being their biggest quarter of all time and uh, you know that that's those are the two edges of the guidance there so you know they're they're being careful they're with it but but they definitely think that it's possible that they will have an all-time record quarter next quarter yeah um and if they do that that has got to be on the back of um of stronger iphone sales uh so i would expect that this is the strategy of the 11 that it has worked right that the the iphone 11 strategy is paying is paying off that that seems to be the implication. Again, the numbers here don't really relate the whole story because it's only the first couple of weeks of iPhone availability happening here. But um, they they know <laughs> this is one of these things. the The results are about September, but they know what October looked like too. And so when they talk about like they're positive and they see positive signs and all of that, you know, I I feel like they wouldn't do that if they knew that that it actually wasn't true over the long run. So I think that there's some information here behind the scenes that they're using to say, yeah, this is we we're encouraged by what what's going on in the early days with the iPhone. But there's not a lot of iPhone sales in here, so we're kind of extrapolating. And yep. you know, this is what Apple wants us to think is that the iPhone 11 seems to be doing. A lot better than the 10s, which is not, I think, not surprising. I think it makes sense. But I mean, this for me, though, you know, this number it it further uh, like underscores the point of why Apple put the phone out, even though iOS wasn't ready. Like, just a couple of weeks of having that can really, like, just having the iPhones in the quarter, like this quarter, is a big help for them. And if they yep. wouldn't, it would have been significantly worse as a decline than any other quarter this year, which is not what they would have wanted. So probably. That that's my read on it anyway. Uh, the Apple announced another strategy that will boost multiple revenue streams for them: zero uh, percent financing for iPhone with Apple Card. So you can, if you buy an iPhone with an Apple Card, you will get twenty four months zero percent with a three percent cash back. 
So you'll still get your cash back and you get to pay it off over 24 months uh, with no interest. So it's kind of like the iPhone upgrade program, but you get Apple Care instead of cash back. But this is just like another, you know, like we talk about the many, many, many ways Apple's trying to convince you yeah. to buy an iPhone. This is another one. And one of the analysts actually asked Tim Cook in the in the call after the results came out about um, services. And they said, well, what about bundles? And what about giving it away for free like you did with Apple TV Plus? And Tim was very much like, well, you know, we did it for this one because we want to build the subscription number. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but it's it's kind of a one-time thing. You know, maybe if we see another opportunity to give something away, we will as a, as a gift. He calls it a gift to uh, to it's to the users. But uh, they they don't but don't plan on it. Like giving away services is not our is not our plan. It was just our strategy for this one. But then he said, but about the broader idea of uh, iPhones as a service, which the analyst asked about, he said, you know. We do the upgrade program, and we're doing this uh, this zero percent financing thing with Apple Cards. He's like we're we're trying stuff. We're we're doing stuff. He says for a lot of people, the upgrade program is exactly what you're describing. It is a service with for iPhones, and we hope to do more of that. So that's definitely strategically something that they that they like. Um, and it's interesting to see them using the Apple Card and saying, you know, Apple Card has other features. Like Apple Card has a feature like this financing feature for uh, for buying iPhones, and you know they're they're going to play with that that part of their product mix too the mac is down five percent year over year doesn't seem a surprise you know they there there is after listening to these calls for all this time i end up with uh a bunch of jargon that only ever really gets used in the financial sector and in these calls so the mac thing is what we would call a tough compare <laughs> Uh, tough compare why do they need to talk this way just say comparison i don't know there's already a a word (laughs) it's a tough compare mike it's just it's a it's a the the point here is that last year during the same time apple introduced a bunch of laptops that sold well and what they're saying is you know we didn't introduce anything new this year uh, during the same period and so that's a sales spike last year that we didn't have this year and that's why it's down they did say that in a bunch of regions uh, that that Mac was up for the whole financial whole fiscal year. Mac was up um, in a bunch of regions. It was the best quarter or the best year. I think in Korea and the U.S. it was the best Mac revenue year of all time. They said, um, and that there were a bunch of other places where the for, the the fiscal fourth quarter was the best fiscal fourth quarter for Mac. So that you know they're cherry picking numbers a little bit, but basically they're like, yeah, it's down five percent, but that's really because of what we announced last year that we didn't do this year because we're not on an annual cycle with that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we're happy with it, and it actually had a great overall year, and in certain regions it did uh, very, very, very well. So it's one of those things that you know it, it is the Mac down. I don't like to see the Mac down, but I you know there is truth to that that they're comparing it to a year where they they introduced new stuff people bought because they were excited about it and. And this quarter, uh, they didn't do that. So so how are you going to sell? Tough compare, Mike. That's what I'm saying. Tough compare. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think it's worth, you know, just uh, playing a little fanfare and uh, a little congratulations to the only product line <laughs> that Apple makes, like of their computers, uh, which is up year over year. iPad. A good old friend oh. iPad. Oh, the iPad. The, the only one. The up, only one. Up, 17%. Up 17%. Yeah. Good work, iPad. We're really proud of you. Uh-huh. Uh, iPad's doing really well this year. 
really yeah. well, which is fantastic news. I'm very happy to yeah. see that. Yeah, I actually, I think this was one of those things where they, they cited how that all the new iPads, but especially the iPad Pro are doing well. And that's interesting to me because the iPad Pro is not a new product, right? It's a year old now and they didn't update it and they said it's doing great. And I think that is, uh, that's interesting. But the iPad, yeah, they seem to have really uh, figured out that uh, the the iPad and yep. and with their new collection of different iPad models at different price points and all that the iPad is uh yeah it's weird it's a little weird uh because they're the one that was down for all that time and now the iPad is bouncing yep. back it's nice and you know I say it's like that iPad Pro 11 inch iPad Pro I think is my favorite Apple product ever made yeah it's I I love, it. I love my 12.9 iPad Pro every now and then uh, when I'm moving it from well, like one case to another I'll take it out of the case or if I'm mm-hmm. using it outside mm-hmm. the case I'll be like oh this is so good like oh, it's so right. good uh, I should say I use the 12.9 every day right but I don't use the 11 every day but I think the 11 is the sweet spot for basically everybody like I I think the 12.9 inch iPad Pro is an edge case like I really think you have to be a very serious iPad user to want to have that device I think the 11 inch is the perfect medium oh sure right? like it, oh sure you know, but but like for people like me and you, the 12.9 makes so much sense because we beautiful, use it beautiful all the time. edge case. Yes. But yeah, that 11 inch iPad Pro is absolutely fantastic. Now, check this one out. Wearables is up 54% year over uh-huh. year. That is absolutely massive. Jason, is this all Apple Watch? Mm, I, I mean, is it AirPods too? Exactly. Right. This is the important thing, right? Like, this is AirPods and Apple Watch. Two products that we can assume are growing, right? Like, I don't think it's one or the it other. It is other products, right? So it's also accessories. And so maybe it's just a lot of cases and a lot of Apple TVs, right? No, it's sure. Not. Yeah, it's, that's what it is. <laughs> it's, it's watches and, uh, and some AirPods too. Now, of course, this does not include AirPods Pro. Right, so like, think about that right. going into the holidays. What else? Right, well, it be, and it only includes a couple weeks of the new Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it, this is this is why they renamed this category and why they broke it out and are it, it's primed for a lot of growth. And and the Apple Watch has been very successful. This is a you know a story that we're not going to talk about today, but like Google buying Fitbit. It, I've seen a lot of stories about you know the current state of affairs of the smartwatch market. And, you know, the truth is the smart watch market is the Apple Watch. Like the Apple Watch, people roll their eyes at like, oh, Apple Watch, that didn't turn into a product the size of the iPhone, which it never was going to do. But like, it's extremely successful. Mm -hmm. And nothing else in that category is really particularly successful. Uh, uh, Although Fitbit has a lot of fans. So... um, yeah, more more power to the Apple Watch. In revenue, the wearables now accounts for 10%. iPad is 7%. Mac is 11%. Yeah, wearables is about to go to be a bigger business for Apple than the Mac. Isn't How that, that? wild? And that will happen. I think that is happening in the Q1 results. Yeah. Like over no, the holiday I think season. So yes. like I like last year in uh the in in Q1 they did uh 7.3 billion. I bet that hits 10 for for this year. Could be. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. And then, of course, the other one, the other big one. Services set a new record. It's $12.5 billion now, up from 10.6 year over year. Services now accounts for 20% of Apple's revenue, so it is yeah. bigger than the Mac and the iPad. Um, sure. Uh, Apple quoted 450 million paid subscriptions across all their services, and they expect to pass 500 million in 2020. Yeah, it's it's enormous. It grows every single quarter. It, this was the biggest services 
revenue quarter ever because it's the latest services revenue quarter. And that's the thing for Apple, a company that is extremely seasonal because we're headed into that holiday quarter. The holiday quarter is always the biggest quarter of the year for Apple. It has never, I think, not been, at least in, in recent memory. Services doesn't do that because these are monthly and annual recurring fees. Yep. They just keep going up <laughs> because they get because of two things. One is because Apple keeps expanding the install base and they talk about this. There are there are more Mac users than ever, there are more iPhone users than ever and there are more uh iPad users than ever. And that's they say because, like half of all uh, iPad sales are to new users, they say, something like that. Yeah, and, and there's a replacement thing going on where what happens is when you buy a a new iPhone or iPad or Mac some percentage of those don't go out of service, right? They get resold, they get turned back in and refurbished and resold. They get they get handed down in a family, and and so even if iPhone sales are are down and Mac sales are down, the total number of in use devices is up, and that will mean that services revenue presumably by some percentage will go up. And the other thing is the uh, average revenue per user is going up, which is Apple is making more services and selling those services to its users. And those are the reasons why service revenue just keeps going ARPU. up. ARPU. That's average revenue per user, ARPU, which I wrote, a, I wrote a little thing about that is just sort of like Apple is really trying to walk a line there where they want the business guys, they want the uh, the analysts to be enthusiastic that Apple is increasing the average revenue per user, but Apple doesn't want to be seen as a craven company that is focused on squeezing money out of their existing customers instead of, you know, pleasing them and giving them things they love. And so they walk this line and they've been doing it for a few years now where they will talk about uh, increasing services revenue, but they always try to couch it in you know, we're improving the experience for customers and our customers really love these services. And, you know, yes, that increases our, our poo. Oh, terrible. Um, it's terrible. This yeah. is terrible. But yeah, then, you thought a tough compare was bad. Our poo is oh. the toughest compare. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> of, all, of all the compares, that is the worst one. Uh, I mean, I expect one of the big drivers for this quarter is Apple Arcade, right? Like Apple Arcade becoming a new thing, right? Like that's right. all new money. Um, and uh, the more and more people I talk to in my life, like, and, and, and I still agree with it from the start, like talk about how great value that is. And that is a, like Apple Arcade is an incredible service. Like yeah. they're adding five new games every single week and they have since it began. The quality of the games is so good. Like that was an absolute home run in my opinion. So, And there's not a lot, not a lot of Apple Arcade revenue in this quarter because everybody started with a trial. Mm-hmm. So the, oh, yeah, the yeah, Apple Arcade yeah, yeah. revenue is still to come. Mm-hmm. I think it might. I think I'm a little bit skirted in there. I think a little bit may have gotten in because I think I got charged mm-hmm. rec- like quite recently. But but who knows? But yes, that, that is of course correct, right? That we may not, have not even seen the full effect of Apple Arcade yet. Well, it launched in September and was a month trial, and so the credit cards weren't charged until October, which is out of the there scope of this. So Ooh, wow, that's a great point. Yeah. And I'm very keen to see what the next quarter is going to yeah. look like. Wow, okay, that could be big. I, I guess I'm going to make a prediction here, Mike. I'm going to make a wild prediction. Go for it. Services revenue will be up. <laughs> oh, come on, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Up. Get out of here. Get out of mm-hmm. town, no. Snow. Up. You've lost your mind. Up, up, up. All right, that is Apple earnings. We're going to talk about Apple TV+. Plus. We have been uh, destined to do. But before we do, let me talk about Eero. 
Thank, want to thank them for their support of this episode. If you want to binge watch your favorite TV shows, like all of the new Apple TV Plus originals, with it from anywhere in your house without interruption, maybe in the backyard, in the back bedroom, no matter where you want to be, you're going to need an Eero because Eero will blanket your whole home in fast, reliable connection with wonderful speeds, so your Wi-Fi will be super strong and reliable. You will eliminate poor coverage and dead spots and buffering so you can have consistently strong signal wherever you need it would you say that is true in your home jason snell yeah all of these weird smart home devices that i have on the periphery of my network are actually on my wi-fi which is not the case before so the you know the camera at the front of the house and the irrigation controller on the side of the house and you know me sitting in a chair working under the tree in the backyard all all covered super easy Eero is the Wi-Fi that your home deserves. There is an all-new Eero. starts at just $99. You can get it set up in minutes. Just plug it straight into your modem or router box, and you can even manage it from their super simple application, which lets you do cool stuff like pause the Wi-Fi while you're all eating dinner, and you'll get alerts if any device tries to join your network. Eero has fixed all of the Wi-Fi problems that you're going to see in your home, just like they do for all of their customers. No more dead spots, no more buffering. You can get your Wi-Fi fixed as soon as tomorrow. Go to Eero com slash ahoy and enter the code ahoy at checkout to get free overnight shipping of your order. That's E-E-R-O dot com slash ahoy code ahoy at checkout to get your Eero delivered with free overnight shipping. You got to use that URL to get the offer. Eero.com slash ahoy and the code ahoy. Our thanks to Eero for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So Jason, this is the time. This is probably the most important upstream segment. Maybe more than just an upstream segment. This is... Oh. The launch, I guess, impressions of Apple TV Plus. It is now yeah, available. Um, I wanted to uh, break it down a little bit. We're going to talk about the service and then touch on the shows themselves. There's kind of a couple of different topics. Um, I have lots of thoughts about using Apple TV Plus because I've had a particularly difficult weekend. Um, I guess the first thing that I wanted to mention, I don't know if you saw this, push notifications on every device. Who even knew that the Apple TV could show badges? I didn't know that. Hmm. Did you know that? I don't know. I, I No, I think I have seen that before, but yeah. I had a little badge, a little one They're badge everywhere. on my uh, Apple TV and every single device that I own. Uh, and I also got emails. I got emails telling me I have to try oh, out Apple yes. TV Plus after I'd uh-huh. already watched one of the shows. Yep. Um, so Apple very, being very serious in this, I kind of don't like it when they do that. In the same way that I don't like that... Uh, you be you are if you if you take advantage of the one year trial like I have because I can right I bought an Apple product this year so I could take advantage of that one year trial uh, I will be charged immediately afterwards and it's on monthly so I can cancel it but there's something about that that I kind of just it just doesn't sit right with me I, I can't explain it I know this is like what you do if you have a subscription business but I don't know this is something I don't like about it but you know it is what it is. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the the trade off, right? Mm-hmm. I think is they're building a list, and uh, then they want you to pay. And, and I'm sure, um, I mean, I'm going to want to pay. I have no doubt about that, but it still frustrates me a little bit. But I uh, wanted to start watching these shows on Saturday, and I couldn't watch them for about the first thirty six hours that I was trying to watch them, because every time I tried to press play on a, one of the TV shows, I would get an error telling me that Apple TV was not available in my region, which of course is completely incorrect. Correct. So not only is that an unhelpful error just to say the video isn't available to watch in the country or region you're currently in, it is categorically wrong because it is. I live in the UK, right? I also found, did you know, there are some countries that are not getting Apple TV Plus. 
including Romania. I know this because I have friends in Romania who are very upset. Mm-hmm. I can't work out what the reasoning is behind that. Like, Apple owns this content. They can put it wherever they want. It may be local regulations. There Possibly. may be, you may have to get approval. Mm-hmm. You may have to have a certain amount of content that's created in the region. There are lots of different restrictions. I was wondering if it might be a language yeah. thing in some places. Like, they haven't got the captions or they haven't got yeah, the Yeah, they audio. don't they don't have all the all the Romanian audio mm-hmm. and therefore they can't launch there. Yeah, could be. But it's, you know, the, but I just found the the errors. I mean, I, there were many errors that many people were getting of trying to watch this and it's just like it just felt like a disaster to me. Like I just couldn't watch the TV shows and it was very I was very annoyed about it because it was just like how many more bugs are you going to give me, Apple? Like, how many more? Like, I'm getting frustrated at the fact that every single week on this show, I am bringing a new issue that I'm facing. But they are things that are happening to me, and I want to share them. But it's like, it's just very frustrating. But anyway, moving on from that, I got it to work on Sunday, and I have watched as much of the content as possible. Um, we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh th- I found it very peculiar that they don't have one of those, like, if you're watching a show, the immediate countdown to start the next episode. You know what I mean? Like, Netflix has this, Amazon Prime has this. It just starts ticking down, and after five or ten seconds, the next episode will begin. They have this little drawer that pops up from the bottom to recommend new up next content to you, but sometimes that didn't even have the next episode of the show that I'm supposed to be watching. Which was like I was on like episode two of For All Mankind, huh. and then it pops up and recommends that I start Dickinson. It's like, what about episode three of the show I am currently <laughs> watching? Uh, <laughs> my if uh, if I ever stopped watching, went back to the menu and started the episode again, it would exactly start the episode again. Would not remember my place. Um, they do have a skip intro, which yeah. I know Todd Vaziri is probably very happy about. Uh, mm, no, sure not. <laughs> uh, Apple not. TV Plus, the app is it's designed nicely, right? Like I, I think things are laid out. Like the, the Apple TV Plus section of the TV app is fine, right? Like I found the design of it fine, but the actual functionality uh, is still lacking, and it's kind of hilarious, you know. Like Apple, you are the company that makes this. You should have made a better experience than this one. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we spent so much time here talking about like Apple making TV shows and what that means and how they're going to handle, um, you know, what the standards are and and can they do it and how do they roll that out and all of those things, and didn't give as much attention to the idea that they have to roll it all out inside the TV app and the TV app has a lot of issues. And that relying on the TV app might be the biggest impediment in the launch of the of the service. But that feels like it's the case. Like I, that TV app, for, for some people who are very app-centric, this will be their first experience with the TV app, which is part of the reason Apple's doing this, right? Part of the reason Apple TV shows, Apple TV Plus exists, is to get people in the TV app. Because they want the TV app to be the central hub for this. They want to drive, they want to sell you channels, they want to drive you into other other content from the TV app. Um, and then they want to be able to have their stuff there too. And it's a beautiful thing that everything is all combined together. Great. The problem that, so 
there are sync problems. I know we've heard from a bunch of people about it. I definitely experienced that where you watch five minutes of a show and then you go back later and it starts you at the beginning again. You're like, well, wait a second. That's not. And this seems like table stakes, right? Like all of the streaming services that I use are pretty good at syncing properly to where I last saw the show. Um, and there's the UI issue too, which is, you know, Apple, the Apple TV app was built as this kind of um, neutral purveyor of lots of different shows from lots of different sources. And now that Apple's got their own service, I expected Apple to be a little more in your face in the app saying, here is Apple TV Plus. You have it. And if you don't have it, they're advertising it. But like, you have it. Here are the shows. And you can get there. You can scroll down and find a kind of um, not particularly aggressively labeled thing that will get you a list of what's on Apple TV+. Plus. If you scroll down to Discover to Apple TV+, Plus, you can click on that and you will see all the shows. And they're promoting their shows sort of within Up Next and within What to Watch, but they're doing it with other shows too. And I've definitely heard from a lot of people who open the TV app having gotten Apple TV+, Plus and are like, where is it? And I think it's kind of funny that I appreciate Apple's, you know, whatever objectivity or something and saying, well, you know, we're we're not just this isn't just about us. It's about the whole TV experience, including all the other content. But there should probably be something at the top that is screaming. Here are the Apple TV plus shows um, that are available right now. And, you know, mine didn't do that. Apple TV I, plus could be a legitimate section in the top navigation section. You could right? have Apple TV plus. TV shows, right? Like you could, like movies, you know? Right. That would right. be a problem. And, 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 you know, be on the watch now. And just making it a little more, um, a little more obvious than it is. Because, yes, there, you know, you can scroll through and see some different shows and all that. I'm just a little surprised because when you open the TV app, when Apple TV Plus launches, and what I got was, I got a bunch of, like, movies I've been watching and TV shows that I bought and, and have been and watching and various things in the Up Next and in the What to Watch the same way. It's like, oh, well, you know, here's a thing from CBS All Access and here's a thing from HBO that you've, that you've watched. And I'm like, okay, but you know, where are the Apple TV shows? And then you scroll down and you get it. I'm just, I'm surprised. And although I applaud the restraint because I think Apple's got partners and the TV app is supposed to be more than just Apple TV Plus at the same time, especially when you're launching and you're, you've got new people uh, maybe using this app for the first time, making it really, really super obvious that here is the list of everything you get for being an Apple TV Plus subscriber uh, is probably something you should do, and they um, they didn't do it. You know, they unless the idea is that Apple TV Plus shows are just meant to kind of like sprinkle in more content into the TV app, the richness of the TV app. Um, but I don't think they're spending billions of dollars for it to just be mm-hmm. the leavening inside of the TV app. So, yeah, I, I was I was perplexed by by that and by some of the technical shortcomings. Who knew? that uh, Apple would launch a new TV service. And one of the big things that we'd be talking about is that they didn't do the technical part. Yeah, right. You said it though, but in hindsight, looking at the last year, that's <laughs> not a surprise. Well, I mean, well, that's that's the thing is I feel, I, I feel bad about it because it's sort of like I took my eye off the ball because mm-hmm. I was so focused on them making these shows and what were the shows going to be like. And I, I, I should have spent more time thinking, TV app going to be better <laughs> or, or not? Maybe not. Definitely yeah. not. But the most important part is the content. 
So let's talk about the content. Let's start with the morning show, which I feel like um, is what Apple is publicly showing to be its crown jewel in this right now. Um, I think we all, I assumed that it would be C, but I think it seems like a lot of the promotion that I have seen has been focused around the morning show. And I think that's because of the start, the names they have attached to it, right? Jennifer Anderson, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell. It's big, right? People know those people and know at least yep. one of them. Big show. Uh, I'm going to start off by saying I've watched all of this and I absolutely loved it. Loved it. Fantastic TV show. Um, I Both me and Nadina were like, cannot wait for more. Um, it felt like a very intellectual show. We're like constantly pausing it to discuss what we're seeing and talking about mm-hmm. what, what we're feeling. Um, I will say that like over the first three, I'm pleased they had all three episodes because I think it ta- it needs that to kind of like f- the, the story to be really pulled uh. apart. Um, and as well for you to feel the pressure in the show, like it feels like a pressure cooker and you need, I think, to watch all of it, in my opinion, to get that. And, and I think that's why a lot of the reviews, right, are like saying, oh, episode three, it starts to turn around. And that is really where the story turns up. And, but I enjoyed it from the beginning. Um, yeah, I've th- only seen episode one, so okay. I haven't. I'm I, really I, keen I, to see how you feel about it. All right, when you watch all of it, um, it's very dramatic. The production values of uh, very high. It looks, I think it looks. Fantastic. Yeah, it looks great. It's a beautiful TV show. Looks great. Great cast. You can tell they spent a lot of money. It, it, they yep. spent a lot of money on the production, and they spent a lot of money on the actors. Yep. for sure. I obviously, think Jennifer Aniston is absolutely fantastic in this show. Um, it feels like she is the lead of the show. Um, I feel like she, that, that wasn't necessarily yeah. clear, but the show is really, at least again in the first three episodes, it's very focused around her. Yeah, she's certainly at the center of it, mm-hmm. and the inciting action for the show is all about people kind of like coming and going and whirling around her, and yep. she's at the center. Whether that's the case in the long term, um, it's unclear. But yeah, it 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 feels at least in the early going that this is not a sort of joint effort of Aniston and Witherspoon or Aniston and Witherspoon and mm-hmm. Carell, but it really is Aniston at the center. But that may change over time because the story, the way the story is working, you know, it certainly could be going in that direction. Yeah, it could um, flip. And I think I think yeah. it probably at parts in the show, it, it, the, the focus will change. Um, there are Apple products everywhere in this show, which is, of course, it's kind of funny yeah. to me. Yeah, the first, it, it made me laugh. The first five minutes is literally just everybody getting phone calls on their iPhone. Yeah. And texts on their iPhone. And but it's, news it's realistic, I guess, but it's it still is. just kind of funny. I wonder yeah. if I would have noticed it as much if I didn't know Apple was making it. If it was an HBO show, I would not have thought about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I would have thought like, well, maybe Apple's paying for product placement, but it, it's not as ridiculous, except in the context of it being an Apple show well, and it, realizing it that everybody's when got show their iPhones. All of the notifications from Apple News. From Apple like, News, yes, that pushes <laughs> it. That is a a you know of the all that. the unrealistic things in the in this show. You know, I I liked it. I'm kind of torn on it. I will watch more. Um, you know, it's fun to have a show that's all about like people standing up and pontificating about the importance of journalism and the media and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, at the same time, you know, it, it's like I feel pandered to a little bit. At the same time, I also find it kind of unrealistic and ridiculous and um, also kind of dated. There, there, It's funny, too, because the show knows that it's kind of dated. There, there is, they actually talk about, like, people, like the internet and streaming and network TV being like I found less that relevant. I to be and interesting though. On I, a cliff. I like that. I, I like that like, you know, that 
they're kind of like, well, we know where this industry is going. And I kind of like the inception moment of like, yeah, it's because of Apple TV Plus, right? Like that's why broadcast television right. is on the way out. I, 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 I kind of like that. The question is, is how how much of that is hanging a lantern on it versus actually grappling with those issues. And Mm. I say that because there's that scene, but there's also the scene where in the first episode where the slimy uh, network executive played by Billy Crudup. Perfect. He's he's great. He is super, super creepy, slimy guy. Um, He, you know, so we talk about that and yet he goes on this, on this kind of extended rant with the producer of the show about how the two hosts of the morning show are like mom and dad mm-hmm. and we you know we need to have this they're their mom and dad figures and they have kind of attention um and and if you lose one of those figures you can't just bring in a new mom or a new dad you have to you know you have to rethink the whole thing and he's maneuvering to get one of the characters i'm not going to spoil it for people who haven't seen it get one of the characters off the show um the problem with that is i'm sitting there thinking there is literally nobody watching this show who is so young that they would think these characters are mom and dad. Everybody who's watching network TV in the morning is either the age of these characters or a lot older. Mm. Um, but I think that that's one of those. So that's that. That's the problem here is like they want to make this show about TV uh, and they can recognize that it's not what it was, but at the same time, they kind of can't because it's like there are not young people, I think. Maybe somebody from the Today Show can tell me about their demographics, but I don't think there are a lot of people watching morning TV um, thinking that the main anchors are mom and dad. Okay. Uh, more more like they're their kids, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. the fact is TV viewers are older now. So, I, you know, it was stuff like that that I just kept thinking of, that, that it, it, it is... It is uh, nostalgic and unrealistic, and it doesn't mean it can't be fun, but I did. my brain kept on being like, really, is this? Um, but it, it looks great. Uh, the, only other, the only other note I have through one episode, which is I'm not sure I am ever going to love a show that is essentially the sad lives of very rich, successful people. Um, mm. And... It's not my favorite. And like, there are moments in the first episode where the show really wants you to feel for Jennifer Aniston. And I think to myself, and she's like, oh, I could be ruined. You know, my life could be ruined. And I'm sitting there thinking. I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting. Well, I like that they're showing how much money they have. I think that it is a an interesting presentation of a type of show like this. I know. And, and I don't think it bothers uh, everybody, but I had those moments where, where, where like the it gets ramped up to be like, I'm ruined. This is the end of my life. And I'm like, well, you've got millions and millions and millions of dollars. So your career might be ruined, but you know what? You're going to be fine, right? Like there is that aspect of it. That's always back there, which is, and, and sometimes people, you know, people want to watch shows that are about, about rich, successful people and the beautiful things that they've got. And I get all of that, but there, there are moments where I, where I think to myself, oh yes, I am very concerned about whether right, these incredibly d- pe- uh, rich mm-hmm. people at the top of their careers mm-hmm. might lose their jobs. The assumption though, that is all she cares about is money. And I don't think, I mean, so like when I, my read of when she's saying that like, my career it's like it's not about money it's like she wants to work and if she gets pushed out and it's the same as like steve Carell, right yeah. like he because of his situation he can't get a job now and it's like well now right. he's lost because he has no 
career. Yeah. So that's how I read it, but I get yeah, Well, point. here we go. We're, it gives you a lot to discuss, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my other my other notes about the show, um, and, and like I said, I thought it was okay, but um, I, I am a little bit confused about what they're doing with the Reese Witherspoon character. Maybe more episodes will get me this sense because partly what they want to do is portray her as being this person who's kind of like at the dead end and she's in this, you know, uh, Virginia cable news network and she can't even, nobody likes her and she can't even get a job as an anchor. Um, and and she gets invited to, at one point to be interviewed in New York. And I had this thought of like, it's really playing like there's this established person and then this new person is coming in to threaten them, who is Reese Witherspoon. And the way the script kind of reads it, I just think it's really weird because Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston, although not the same age, are very close in age. And Reese Witherspoon's character plays like she is a like somebody in their 20s who is they, just starting they out. This. this is addressed. Because... And, and and so I think the question for me is going to be, do they address that in a way yeah. that that actually feels natural? Or do I look at that and say, oh, you needed to spackle over the fact that this doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I, I remain I open to it. If she is a, if she is a washout and mm-hmm. uh, and the, the, she keeps sabotaging her own career, uh, then that that or, or whatever the answer is. I'm looking forward to that. But in the first episode, it's sort of like, hmm, I'm not sure this character makes sense. Anyway, we'll see. Um and then my last note is just that uh, no, I know too much about the backstory here, which is that this was a concept and then a whole bunch of Me Too stuff happened, including Matt Lauer from the Today Show. And um, there was some change and they wanted to address that. And that's how Steve Carell's character comes in. And yeah, okay. my understanding is they changed showrunners at one point. And so um, the other thing that struck me because I know too much was seeing how this is kind of like they they built a structure for a show and then they put another little structure inside the structure <laughs> and said that's our show um which is interesting and could actually lead to interesting places but i don't know it's it's a uh, i am fascinated that this is what everybody thinks of as the uh as the the big prestige top line face of apple tv plus it is uh, it's fascinating that this is that show but um you know I thought it was okay. I like it a lot. I want to see how you feel about it once you've seen all of it. That's going to be some good follow-up. I, I just wonder if your opinion will change. Um, especially there was the, like some of the things that you mentioned that are like weird parts of the story. I think they do get cleared up. Um, okay. But but I'll see if they are to a level at which you think is... Whether it feels natural or not, right? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the real question. So, so no, I'll watch more. I, I am a, you know, I'm a sucker for the big... Uh, like I said, big, gauzy, well-lit, warmly lit, beautiful people, interesting stories, yep. talking about how great the media and journalism is and stuff it's like that. It's for you, like, right. man. It's for I you. Know. Yeah. But okay. nothing is more for you than for all mankind. It's true. It's, it is It is extremely my now, jam. I also really love this one. Love this. Very good. Um, this show really plays with you a lot. Uh, there's lots of twists, lots of turns, because it is that alt history, you know, like they could yes. do anything. Yeah, that that uh, in episode two, you really get that sense that they want to. It's very clear from the very beginning of episode one that we're in an alternate history. That we're we're in things are not happening the way that they happened in our world. But episode two goes to great lengths to show you that all the things that seem like they're happening the way they happened in our world anyway are not right. Like, and and that is a good moment in terms of setting the stakes and saying you need to stop assuming that history is going to more or less follow the track that it did because it's not going to. Uh, I really like how they use archival footage in this show. Um, that there's a lot of it, right? Like they use a lot of it. They 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 use it sometimes just to inform us, the viewer, 
uh, like they show sometimes this is who this person was in history and is who they are in the show. Sometimes it's used in the show itself, right? Like they they show archival footage on the television and into and like splice it with new footage. It's kind of yeah. interesting, right? Yeah, and, and and it's very well done. Where mm-hmm. they will they will put in characters that need to say things that are very specific that to the show, and they will do that. But they also will use archival footage. And there are a few cases they've got like a Nixon impersonator and they keep playing Nixon tapes and they show Nixon yeah. at times, but they don't, they don't try to have the, the mouth uh, match up because it's like, you know, it, it's, it's, they cut away or it's just Nixon talking or, or uh, Ted Kennedy at one point and they, they just try, there's an I Dream of Genie episode that, that is uh, uh, not about reality, but the way it's played in the episode is that it is about reality, which is amazing. So it's some really, I will tell you, as a space nut that um, they did their research here. In fact, I, I, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, Liftoff episode 99 is all about Apollo 10. And the, you know, watching the show, I'm like, oh my, they, yeah, they got it. They like, they've got the details of Apollo 10. They changed the names of those two astronauts because those are two of the main characters and they're going to take them in places that I think they felt uncomfortable using real people. So they changed their names. And those are the people who are played by uh, Mr. Sad Spy and Mr. So happy. I didn't know he was in the show and he's not just in it he has a great role so excited because i was so sad because patriot got cancelled and so to see uh what is the guy's name michael dorman plays gordo stevens uh to see him have such a such a starring role right like he's kind of like the supporting uh male character uh i was really pleased about that yeah oh yeah it's uh and and uh the main the other guy (laughs) Is the altered uh, altered carbon guy um, Joel Kinnaman? Joel Kinnaman. Ed Baldwin. Yeah. He's also in House of Cards. Um, that's yeah. where I know him from. And uh, some slow TV too. I forget what else he's been in. But yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I thought the stakes were high. I think there it's uh, an interesting combination of real people characters mm-hmm. and fictionalized characters. I was so they, surprised they, to see Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. I just figured they were going to go all fake, right? Like it gets to a point right. and then it's like, this isn't real. And they just like, don't bother touching on actual history. So I was really excited to see that. I thought that that was a cr- really cool addition. Deke Slayton. Oh, he's a there. real guy. Uh, Deke Slayton, the, the okay. flight control, he's the guy who played by Ed Harris in Apollo 13. Failure is not an option. He gives a version oh. of that speech in uh, in here. So that's a real guy. Now, all the other ancillary characters, more or less, are people from history that they're that they're bringing in. The characters that are very clearly invented, they give uh, new names to. But the, a lot of the people around them are are actual historical figures, and they seem to be doing some remixing of that too, where they've got they've got people who. Uh, exist in reality that are uh, that they're bringing in as time goes on with slightly different roles it's it's very it's very interesting uh, Werner von Braun is a good example too mm-hmm. where um, he was the uh, he's the head of uh, of basically the rocket efforts at NASA he builds builds the Saturn V and his history uh, working in Nazi Germany is brought up to destroy him and and at one point in one of these episodes it's like that's all that's all true. Like it didn't come out in that way at that time. But, but are those, those are all the issues about Werner von Braun is, Mm. is like who, who worked in his factories and there were people from, uh, you know, from in horrible, like prison camp conditions. And did he see them? And he always denied that he saw them, but it, it kind of strains credulity. And like, it all is being used in a different way 
in the show, but it's all based on historical fact. And I think that's very interesting too. So I loved it. I, I, of course I loved it is the thing. So I don't know how to judge it beyond that, but I, I thought it was really interesting. And the fact that they are, are continuing this diversion divergence from history and following it where it leads. And the other thing I'll say about it is for a show, it's so easy to do a show or a movie about the space program in the sixties and have it be an entirely, uh, an entire cast of white men because that's who it was at NASA in that period is almost entirely white men. Um, and then there's like, but over here there was hidden figures and over here were the Mercury 13 were the women who took all of the tests for the Mercury program to say that women should be astronauts too. And then they were just shunted aside. And this show addresses all of that. And in a, a very interesting way where it basically says, Oh, once this inciting event in for all mankind happens, then the doors can get blown open, basically. Yeah. The doors get blown open because of that inciting event and things really change. And so you see a lot of people who are not the kind of people we tell astronaut stories about having their stories told, which is also pretty cool. Uh, I'm getting big Mad Men vibes from this show. Um, like, well, Sure. I mean, it's it, at this point, it's a period show. It's late yep. 60s, early 70s. And, and they, they, have, uh, they have leaned into it for sure. But like, it's not just like the fact that the cars and the clothes and the vibe is like all of it's so beautiful. It has fantastic music as well. Like, the music is really great. Really great yeah. music. But mm-hmm. just the way that the story's playing out, where it's looking at the, the people and the families and the interdynamics between all of that, like, I find that really interesting. I am so surprised at how fast the story's moving, but it makes sense based on what we know about the show. Right? So, like yeah, in the that, first three episodes, they span has like, a, like ten years nearly. Yeah, and I think Ron Moore. I don't know if it's ten years, Maybe but five, it's, it's, it's multiple years. It's like two, two or three years. Yeah. But uh, I think there was a story about how Ron Moore like sketched out his seven-year plan for the show or whatever, and that it, it's like the long arc of of history. They will, they will they will reach us and probably go past us right mm-hmm. in time. And it feels like so, that's going to happen. So yeah, exactly right. And we'll, we'll see some of these characters continue maybe, but it might be the kids of some of these characters or some of the characters introduced as kids who will become main characters. Which they've we'll already started doing, right? Like, yeah, there is some, there is some, some moments there too. Okay. Um, there's a lot of Apple TV talk. I haven't seen C and Dickinson, but you have, so we should very quickly uh, find out what I've you think. I've seen one episode of each. Uh, I was least keen to watch C, and I was 100% right. This show <laughs> not could not be less for me. Uh, it's very Game of Thronesy, I guess, even though Adina, who also didn't like it, really disagrees with me because she loves Game of Thrones. But from, ah. from my perspective, <laughs> uh, armies running at each other and cutting heads off with swords, that's Game of Thrones to me, right? And like, I don't care for that kind of thing. There's so much more violence and gore in this than I need. And this show, like, we didn't ever really touch on the family-friendly thing. This show huh. is not family-friendly in any stretch of the imagination. It is violent. And language is strong, the themes are difficult, and it's very sexual. So, the, you know, <laughs> this is Apple's HBO show in that regard, right? Like, that they have done all of those things, and, and I think that it's most of it's very gratuitous. And that's kind of what I don't appreciate in a Game of Thronesy type show. Like, yeah. to me, it just feels like some things you're doing just for the sake of doing them, and uh, that's not what I like about television. Like you compare this against the other two shows, and you'll see you might get an idea of like the type of content that I enjoy. Um, C is sure. not it, it. Doesn't have to be for you. I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I guess, but oh, see, mm-hmm. but uh, 
uh, it, it's something that I haven't watched it yet, yeah. right? Like, the performances are good. Uh, the okay. way that, that they deal with the site stuff is interesting. Um, I found my level of intrigue for the story starting to rise towards the end of the first episode, but I'm All not right. going to be watching any more of it. This show okay. is not my jam. What about Dickinson? I did not know what to expect from Dickinson because I didn't understand this show. I, I couldn't understand its purpose. Like, Do you know who Emily Dickinson is? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I, She's an American poet, so I don't know if they even... Yeah, you know, we, we, we get Dickinson. And, don't worry, we get it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but what I, what I didn't understand about this show is what I'd seen from the trailers, where it felt like that they were somehow, for some reason, merging period drama and modern drama together. Like... The language, the music, the pacing, it seemed very peculiar. Like, I didn't understand what type of show they were making. But now when I watch it, I'm like, I like this. The editing's super fast-paced. Um, it is not at all like a period drama in the fact that it just looks like one. Um, everything else mm-hmm. feels like modern teen drama. Um, there yep. is, like, again, adult themes, but it's it plays in a way that makes more sense to me than in C. Um, I really like like the music is incredibly unexpected because it's all modern, right? The editing is all modern. They use like really interesting camera angles. Like it is weird and interesting to mix these two things together, but it's done in such a way that is really compelling. And I think a lot of that focuses around Haley Stanfield's performance. She mm-hmm. is very good, and uh, I think that is fitting the role very well. She has a good attitude. Um, I like the tone of this way more than I would have expected. Uh, I think that it is, I expect, quite difficult to create a show like this because like, they are using Emily Dickinson's poetry as like the way to inform the story. And like that must be complicated, right? Like that you're working backwards and trying to create a world based on it. Uh, but I really liked it. I am definitely going to be watching more of it. This is like a thirty. This is a thirty-minute show. The rest are one hour. So there's like ten episodes or something. Well, the rest are three. Um, yeah, I'm going to watch this one. And I didn't think it was going to be for me because I'm not really a period like this kind of period drama guy. Like where it goes back to history, like I don't know, like Downton Abbey. I can't even think of what you would call like that type of period drama because you refer to Mad Men as a period drama now, right? Which makes sense, but. But like that kind of like uh, that time frame, it wasn't really my kind of jam. Uh, but the way that they mix, the way that that's basically just set dressing for everything else is very interesting. Uh, so I will be watching more of Dickinson. It was very entertaining. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by the idea of mixing it like this and not not having it be period drama. That's not a period drama. It's a it's a thing. Uh, and I've actually heard very positive things. I think it also says something that this is the show that nobody talked about in advance. I mean, it was mentioned, but it was never. The other three were the ones where everybody's talking about, oh, they're doing this show and that show. And I feel like Dickinson, because it didn't have the expectations and it was a little bit of a surprise. It didn't have the star power either. I mean, I think that's right. one of the reasons the other three got the focus. Yeah, but but I think uh, I think I've seen a lot of positive buzz about it. Like people are surprised and pleased by it. And I think that's uh, one of the things that we're going to learn, right, is Apple's going to learn some things about mm-hmm what the critics think, but they're also going to learn about what their user base thinks in terms of which shows stick or not. And it's going to, the other thing is we're not going to be able to tell for a year and a half, two years, exactly what that means, right? Because the first year plus of Apple TV plus had to be bought in advance because it takes so long to produce TV. We are seeing shows that were bought two years ago. So 
um, there there will be a period of adjustment based on how people take to this service that will be kind of fascinating to watch. Also, and I think I brought this up next week, now that these shows are out, people in Hollywood who make TV can look at these and go, oh, I could do that show at Apple, where they might not have thought that before because of all the talk about that. They may look at the shows and go, oh, yeah, I, I could make this show at Apple. Now that I know what it is, I can make my show there. I don't see how people were saying that they were only going to make family-friendly content because none of the content that they've released that is not a kid's show is family-friendly. So, right. you know, <laughs> I don't really get where that was coming from. Uh, I I mean, my guess is it was somebody who was fired or given some notes and got really angry mm-hmm. and uh, thought that that was because of Apple's uh, policy mm-hmm. and... It was it was them, not Apple, right? Yep. Like that's or it was just for that show, or yeah, or it was a show that was that it was intended as part of Apple strategy for a family audience, not Apple st- strategy for an adult audience. And they, you know, the, my theory is that this is actually about Amazing Stories. That the guys got fired off of Amazing Stories because they came into the project thinking they were going to do this edgy amazing stories for a modern audience and be, it would be, you know, different and we're going to blow all the doors off. And then Spielberg made the deal with Apple and those guys were told, no, we want it family friendly and they got angry about it. Mm-hmm. But very clearly, if you look at C and the morning show and for all mankind, it's not really an issue on those shows. So maybe it was just your show. Yep. And if you're thinking, oh, Apple only have uh, adult content, that's not true. It's just not stuff that I've watched. Also said the Snoopy show, and Helpsters and Ghostwriter. They're like right. three shows that are focused around family and but kids I, stuff. But. I, I will say for people who thought that Apple TV Plus would be a place for them to watch shows that are for grown-ups, but that don't have the violence and language that you find on so many streaming shows, I got bad news for you. Every single one of the shows we talked about is TVMA. Mm-hmm. And there there is, within the first 30 seconds, I would say, of these shows... It's very clearly uh, not going to be something that is going to work for you if you don't, if you can't handle violence or yep. language or stuff like that. It's just, these are modern streaming shows. They really are. They don't, I would not be surprised if they had been on Netflix or Amazon. Yep. They are completely in that style. I'm going to say for me, I'm very happy with the content. There are three television shows that I want to watch now. Uh, from Apple TV Plus, and I've only watched four of them. So the fact that I got a 75% success rate, I think is much more than I would have given them six months ago. So I think that that's really great. And for me, For All Mankind is now on my list of like, we're going to watch that on Friday when it comes out. Like, I'm not good. That's That to me is the ultimate endorsement is there are the shows I watch, there's the shows I let pile up and then I'll get back to them. And then there are the shows that when there's a release I I am if it's a binge release I will be watching them every day until they're gone yeah. and if it's a weekly release I will watch it basically the day it comes out and that's a very viewing. small number of shows very small but uh, for all mankind's on that list now do we know when there will be more episodes I believe Friday right. I think I think Apple's plan is to do um, weekly releases on Fridays okay. and then there'll be new shows every season i think i think maybe it's every few months every three months or something like that but it's unclear how they're going to roll out new shows versus rolling out the weeklies but it sounds like fridays they're going to just keep releasing new episodes all right it's apple tv plus we're gonna have more to say in the coming weeks for sure but that is our initial impressions today 
Wow. This episode is brought to you by Direct Mail, the easy-to-use email marketing app designed exclusively for the Mac to help you create and send great-looking email newsletters. Email marketing is still an incredibly cost-effective way to reach your customers and grow your business. And for the past 15 years, Mac users around the world have trusted the Direct Mail app to handle all of their email marketing needs. It is designed for the Mac, which means it's fast and easy to use and works great with other apps and services that you're already using. With Direct Mail, you can get in-depth campaign reports that show you who is reading, clicking, and sharing your newsletters. And you can grow your mailing list by creating email sign-up forms that you can add to your website or footer page, as well as having email campaigns sent automatically without you ever having to lift a finger. They have real human live chat customer support available to answer your questions. And Direct Mail is the number one top-rated email marketing app for the Mac, with five-star reviews in the App Store, GetApp, and elsewhere. And it is trusted by small businesses, nonprofits, schools, and Fortune 500 companies alike. Direct Mail is free to download and get started. And listeners of this show can get 10% off all full feature pricing plans. Go to directmailmac.com slash upgrade to check it out. That is directmailmac.com slash upgrade to get 10% off when you opt for a full feature plan. Our thanks to Direct Mail for their support of this show and Relay FM. So AirPods Pro, we spoke about them last week because they had been out. Now we have them. They're uh, here. And been using them for close to a week. Um, I've yeah. used them in a bunch of different settings, both at home and traveling out and around London. And I am absolutely super pleased with these headphones. I love them very much, Jason. Hmm. They're good. They're good. Um, they're not going to be for everybody. Because of the price, because you can get the cheaper ones if that's what you need and, and you don't need the, the features of these. And everybody's got feelings about whether they like canal phones, you know, which is what these essentially are. They're, they're sticking in your ear canal mm-hmm. versus earbuds that sit on the outside and versus over ear or on ear headphones. Everybody's got a different take on it. But yep. I think these will appeal to a broader group. And now you put the two products together and Apple is appealing, appealing to a wider group, even within Apple AirPods, uh, separate from Beats. And um, I had never tried noise canceling in-ear headphones before. I'd only ever tried the over-ear kind, which is not my favorite kind of headphone. And um, I was impressed. Like, I... I was really skeptical that putting little earbuds in your ears was really going to block out enough of the sound even with you know you throw in covering your ears and then also noise canceling i was like really is it gonna really do it it's pretty good it's pretty good so i have been uh really impressed um when commuting so i tried them out going around london uh i like using transparency mode right this is where it lets sound come in when i'm kind of walking around i don't want to use noise cancellation when i'm like walking around in the streets, crossing roads and stuff like that. It doesn't feel right to me. Um, and I found that using transparency mode doesn't feel weird when you're using it for a long period of time. It doesn't feel like what I thought would feel like that the microphones are bringing the sound in. It just feels like I can hear what's around me. Uh, I had some instances, like very few occasions, where like something would seem louder than I would have expected, but it, it was nothing that was a big concern. And then when I'm like on the tube, like I'm on the underground, and it's super noisy, I just turn on noise cancellation, and it cuts basically all the noise out. Like, it is not completely, which is actually good, because I get a sense of when announcements and stuff are happening, but, like, the droning sounds, the sounds of the trains, the sounds mm-hmm. of, like, other passengers, they're basically all gone. And being able to so easily switch between those modes by, like, using the force sensor, right, like, just 
just like squeezing the 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 little stem of the AirPod is awesome. Like I love that button. I have more usability. I find it more comfortable, right? Like I have more actions yeah. available to me. Um, it's exactly what I wanted, and being able to switch with those is brilliant. Yeah, and one of the things that I uh, think is clever is they have taken the old clicker from your headphone cable and put it in that thing. So yeah. hardwired, always available are once to pause or play, double click to go forward, triple click to go back. Those are just there always. And then the customizable thing is the squeeze, the whole squeeze and hold. And that can you can set that to be different on the left and the right. But there's a lot less need to do customization because you've got play pause next and previous already built in. And and so it takes a moment to remember like what surface you're squeezing and all of that. Mm-hmm. But once you uh, spend a little time with it, it um, it's, it's really nice. And I know you hate the slap the side of my head in order to advance mm-hmm. tracks on the regular AirPods. And um, I didn't hate it as much as you, but this is so much better. Yeah, it's, and I hadn't realized how much I missed like double tap to skip song. I'm using it now. And it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, this is nice. Rather than getting my phone out and skipping that way. Yeah, um, I, I was just, you know, whacking the the side of my head with my hands. And it's not, a, it was not, it was not pleasant. This is, this requires a more fine gesture, right? You do have to reach up and touch and squeeze in order to do it. Whereas the old one, I, I get that some people will prefer that old gesture because you're just going, you know, bang, bang, and off you go. Uh, but this is a nicer gesture. And I know that, you know, it, for a lot of people, the old gestures were so bad that they just didn't want to use them because they didn't want to hit hit themselves in the ear. Yep. Um, I am certainly aware of noise cancellation, right? Like in the sense of like previously I found it made me nauseated or like made me feel disorientated when I'd use it. But it doesn't – I'm aware when it's on, but I don't feel weird using it. Um, I've found that I can use it for extended periods of time without as much bother as I've found in the past. And a similar thing goes with the fit of the earphones. I've always had a problem with my left ear with uh, canal phones, right? The earphones that go into your ears. Like right. the, the left one, it either caused pain or that the earphone would eventually fall out. Um, but I, so like this is happening, but it's way, it's better, right? Like it, I found out over time, using it for long periods of time, the left one starts to get a little looser. But because AirPods Pro are so light, it is way less frequent that I have to adjust it. Like nothing's pulling on it, um, and they have a very light earphone. So I found that I haven't needed to adjust as much. Um, I'm using the small tips because they're the only ones that are comfortable for me. Um, But I've found that even over many hours of use, I've found them very comfortable. Uh, Next week, I'm going to be taking a plane trip, and I'm really interested uh, of how these things are going to sound with uh, a, 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 like an airplane noise. I've tried them out right. with stuff like extractor fans, right? You know, like you have like over the hob of a cooker at home or whatever, right? Uh-huh. Um, and like leaving, turning those on and then putting on noise cancellation and the amount that it takes away is mind-blowing. Uh, and so I'm super intrigued to see what it's like to fly with these. But I'm really, really happy with the AirPods Pro. I'm, I think they're fantastic. And I haven't done my lawnmower test yet, but I have to ah. do that. So I will, report, I will report back on the lawnmower test. I got to mow the lawn is what I'm saying. I, I really do need to mow the lawn. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I'm liking them so far. I have, you know, my right ear, I start to feel it after a while, but I honestly, I start to feel 
AirPods, standard AirPods after a while right, in right. a different way, right? Because they're digging into the the area around my ear. And um, this is sort of like pushing into the ear canal. So it's a different kind of discomfort. fact is, any headphones, if I wear for a very long time, I am going to be uncomfortable in some way, right? What, depending on what kind of earphones they are, all of them will make me a little uncomfortable in some way. That's just how it is. But uh, these are pretty comfortable, and um, I, I like the... I like the different effects. I'm somebody who is so used to completely blocking my ears with custom uh, ear tips, which is what I use, like I'm using right now, that I always felt like the original AirPods um, were incredibly transparent. And uh, it was nice because I felt like I, I was really much more clear about what was happening around me. This transparency mode is nice. It's fascinating because it's this synthetic transparency. They're blocking your ears and then feeding sound in. And it isn't stereo. If there's a car coming from the right, you will hear it come from the right and then pass you and then you'll hear it from the left. It's not like a mono thing. It is full stereo effect. It's very clever, very well done. And I think is uh, it's good that it's so easy to use because that's what Apple's trying to encourage you to do is use transparency in order to not block out the world when you don't, when you shouldn't block out the world. I've also heard from a bunch of people who love the transparency mode because they can put their music on, but kind of low and they get to just sort of have music playing in their world and nobody else hears it and they can still hear other people, but they can, uh, it's a, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a good thing. Yeah. I I really like it. Um, I'm I'm very, very happy with them. I think they're doing a, they're doing a good job. It's better than I I would I think they're going to be, they're going to be popular, right? Mm -hmm. This is, this is, um, they're they're killing it on AirPods. Like this is this is maybe the most impressive product that Apple has released in the last few years. I mean, the iPad Pro I really love too, but like the AirPods, everybody loves the AirPods, and they're they're really good. Mm-hmm. And you know, there are going to be people who are audiophiles who will be like, well, you know, this one could be a little bit better. But if you're especially if you're in the Apple ecosystem, because of the auto pairing and easy switching and all of those things, um, they're they're a, a great choice. And I say that as somebody who was always really skeptical about Apple's uh, headphones over the years. But with AirPods and now with AirPods Pro, like they're putting out some really good stuff. It is impossible to think of just how much is packed in those little tiny earbuds. It's mm-hmm. like there's a 10 core, you know, audio processor in there. It's just, it's, it's amazing. All right, today's episode is also brought to you by FreshBooks. If you are a freelancer who needs to save some time, FreshBooks can do that by helping you simplify tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, or getting paid online. With FreshBooks, you will find that your time is drastically reduced, and they have been doing this for their over 10 million customers who have paperwork to deal with because business creates paperwork, invoices, receipts, all that kind of stuff, and I don't think it's ever fun for anyone, really. I don't find it fun. I don't know anybody uh, who ever has to send an invoice to somebody who finds it a fun topic, like a fun little task to do. So it's great to have a tool that can make it easy for you. And then it's not just about the invoice itself. I mean, FreshBooks is fantastic for like for creating the invoices. They have a WYSIWYG system. So what you're creating, how you're entering in the information, it is shown to you in the way that it will be received by your client, but then they also take out all of the busy work afterwards, which is checking with people if they've received your invoice, helping them with how to pay you. All of that stuff is taken care of by FreshBooks. They can show you when it's been seen. They can chase up a client for you automatically if you want, and they can also give you and integrate many ways for you to get paid. I love FreshBooks. We have been using them at Relay FM for f- over five years since our company started. The first invoice that we ever sent 
was sent via FreshBooks, and that continues to this day. We have sent thousands over, I think we are approaching like 3,000 invoices sent with FreshBooks now. So I am a heavy user of this service, and I absolutely love it. If you send any invoices, I mean, we, okay, we're approaching 2,500. I just checked. Uh, so we're fast approaching 2,500 invoices sent with FreshBooks. So trust me when I say that it is fantastic. Because if it wasn't, I wouldn't have been using it for that amount of time. If you're listening to this show and you've yet to try out FreshBooks, give it a go. They're offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com upgrade and enter upgrade in the how did you hear about us section. Our thanks to FreshBooks for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. We have a hashtag ask upgrade question. Uh, first one comes... From wow. cut. Thank that you. That was fast. The, the lasers weren't weren't ready yet. I like, know they weren't ready. The, the lasers, the, you know, they just they're just gonna happen. They just got power they back. They just you know they're, <laughs> they're ready back. to go. Uh, with the release of AirPods Pro, is there a use case for the multi pod lifestyle? Oh, God. Uh, I'm wondering about this. I now have like my I have the uh, second gen AirPods. Right, I have them here. I was thinking I'll probably keep them by my bed. So, like, in case, I don't know, I need to want to listen to music at night, I can't sleep or whatever, that's probably where I'm going to keep them. But I'm not planning on using these anytime that I would want to use AirPods now. Like, I want yeah. to use the AirPods Pro instead. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm sure somebody can make a case for it, but for me, I will probably sell those or give those to a friend or something because I don't think I need two sets of... uh of AirPods and the pro ones are, are really nice, but I don't, I don't think I need two sets. So I, I'm sure somebody out there can find a use case for this, but I don't think I can. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just going to have them kind of like around the house. Sure. You know, sure. I mean, you could keep, I, I could see the argument of like, just keep these in a bag so that, or, or keep them at your desk or something like that. So if you forget to bring your headphones in, then you've got a set, but you know, that's, kind of extravagant but you've already bought them and if you want the new ones too then you're going to be you're going to end up with two i'd say find a friend who wants them but um who's comfortable in reusing somebody's <laughs> airpods otherwise yeah something like that keeping it in your bag putting it at your desk something like that gary asks when do you think iphones will switch to USB-C? next year Ooh. how about that <laughs> the 2020 <laughs> iphone <laughs> well It'll be a we'll we'll maybe get a redesigned iPhone next year, maybe. Um, and it will have been two years since the iPad got USB C. Even the AirPods now have a USB C to Lightning charger in the box. I feel like the movement is happening there, and so, I mean, I don't know anything, and I'm just guessing, but I feel like we're we're close enough now that it could actually just happen. I think I could say that's true. I think it's definitely going to happen. I, I am. I mean, Lightning has been great, and they've used it for a bunch of times, a bunch of time now. But I do expect them to move to USB-C at some point, just because they have other products that have got USB-C. It would be so much easier if Apple just went all USB-C now. Yeah, right. Like it, it it's still going to be a process of transition for everybody. But I have so many things. So many times I get a cable, and I'm like, wait. Which cable is this? It's like, oh, this is the wrong one. We just had this when we went to Oregon a few weeks ago where um, 
I brought a cable thinking it was a USB-C to lightning. It turns out it was a USB-C to USB-C. So we had to pass around like one cable to charge all the phones. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be nice to be out of that. And it's going to take time. But until Apple changes, we can't even start that transition point. Yeah. I would like it, though. I would like it very much. It feels like it would be an easier transition than some of the others because I think a lot of people probably have these cables now, right? Like USB-C cables because USB-C is kind of becoming pervasive across all the technology. So you would expect it would be an easier transition than going from 30-pin to lightning, I would expect, for a lot of people uh, because nobody had lightning connectors before the iPhone adopted lightning. But lots of people will have USB-C already in their homes. Uh, Scott asks, is there a way to apply the same edits to multiple photos in iOS 13's native photo app? Jason? Nope. That's a shame. (laughs) Um, You can do it on the Mac. You can actually take adjustments on the Mac and then copy the adjustments and then go to the next picture and paste adjustments. You can't do it on iOS. There may be a third-party image editor where you could edit all those images or export all those images or import all those images and then do a batch process and then try to put them back in. But you may get duplicates at that point. And I don't know that for sure, but you can't do that in iOS to my knowledge. It is, it is a Mac feature, but not an iOS feature. Josh asked, is it possible to use family sharing with two adults without everything being billed to one person or one family organizer? Ideally would be able to share Apple TV plus or music subscription, but still buy apps separately. I don't think this is the case. I think that's like going against the point of family sharing. That, exactly right. The way Apple is granting you with family sharing this uh, this ability to share services and storage and all these, you gain a benefit by being in a family because you can buy family membership to Apple TV or uh, or Apple Music or you know there are they offer these things that it covers all the family sharing and you can share apps across all of the all of the members of a family. So. How does Apple make it that five friends just don't pool their resources and share all their apps and only ever have to buy an app once and only have to subscribe one time? And the answer is Apple makes it that somebody's got to have the credit card for everybody and take credit card responsibility for all of those people. And that's the hedge against abusing the family system is there's you got to put your money down and vouch for the entire family group. I just signed up for family sharing a couple of days ago. Oh. We never Yeah, we never I heard you it. talking about that on Connected last week and I yeah. thought, yeah, it couldn't it couldn't be easier to do. You can take existing uh accounts and add them into the family and yep. then they uh they get those features, which is uh and the shared iCloud space is the best, right? Because everybody in my family their devices back up because I have like two terabytes of iCloud space and it used to be I had that plus I had to buy my wife like enough space to back up and my kids and now it's just all, mm-hmm. you know, pooled and that's way better yeah we it was really easy it's a weird sign-up process like you 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 opt in to just certain features that you don't have to do all of it and you send like a separate invitation for each part it's it's a very strange but (sighs) interesting process to sign up um but we now are using it and like so one of the reasons i brought this up is because my advice to josh like is is what me and adina are going to be doing if there's something that she is going to pay for, like that she wants, which is like, you know, more expensive, I don't know, like a subscription or sign up for a year or whatever, we're just going to reconcile the transactions at the end of the month, right? Because we mostly keep our own finances like separate. Um, 
and um, but now it's going to a shared credit card that we have and then we will reconcile that along with our other yeah. bills at the end of yeah, the month. Yeah, I was going to say if that group of 5 friends is trustworthy enough to do something like come up with a sharing system where there's one credit card that is just for the shared stuff and the, I'm sure people do this, right? Yeah. And then at the end of the month they reconcile and it's like you got to, you know, you got to pay for this and that and they they put it all together and that's how they get around the family sharing. I guess that there's still a degree of trust there, right? Cuz somebody has to pay, but that would be the way to do it. Corey says, re-listening to episode 200, that was our big podcasting extravaganza episode, uh, and I have a few ideas for podcasts on various subjects. I'm trying to find interesting, for- interesting formats, but every idea I come up with is already being done and being done well. Any advice for making my way in podcasting when it is so crowded with ideas? That's the world. That's the internet. There are a lot of people out there, billions of people. They've got ideas. Some of them are incredibly talented. I think in the end... I mean, there are people who are like canny about, aha, I found this thing and I don't think it's being covered and I can do it. But I think the truth is you got to find something you're really passionate about and you want to make great and then you make it and then you see what happens. Mm -hmm. There's no guarantee, but like I can guarantee you that if it's something that you're not passionate about, but you you work on it because you think nobody's ever had that idea before chances are I mean, I, no i guarantee it will fail because you're not passionate about it and i'll bet you that the reason that it doesn't exist is because nobody else is either <laughs> so you just got to take your chances yep. and do something that you you're gonna it's gonna be worth doing because you love it and and you're really into the concept um which we said in episode 200 right i think it's that same thing stop looking for the big break success that's going to earn you a ton of money and do something because you want to do it because you love the idea of it like, and yeah. it doesn't matter if everybody else is already doing it. Do it yeah. for fun. You love it. You think it, it could be great. And if it ends up being successful, great. But, you know, I don't think you can start there. No. And finally today, uh, Capilla asks, I think a great way for Apple to gain traction for a new for their new video service would be for them to buy and revive old shows that have maybe been cut too soon by other services. Are there any shows that you'd really love Apple to revive? I've got a couple that... Um, Come ironically, this question mentioned that Amazon uh, saved the expanse, which is great. Um, Amazon also they had a change in management and they killed a couple of shows. I don't know if this is going to help Apple gain traction or not, but I want Apple to bring back Patriot, which yeah, we mentioned so earlier. Good, good, good sad, show, sad spies. And if they can't do that, they should get Stephen Conrad, who created that, as well as Perpetual Grace Limited, which is a show nobody has seen because it's on Epics, which is a thing that nobody knows about. Um, Patriot, it's definitely on my list. They can bring that back or get Steve Conrad to do something else. Um, Counterpart, which was on Stars and is maybe my favorite show of the last five years with J.K. Simmons. I love that show so much. I would love for it to come back in some form. Um, and if not that, then give Justin Marks, who did that show, uh, uh, you know, he should get a deal and do another show. But Counterpart's so smart. Um, I wish I could point to a streaming service where it's freely available, but it, it still hasn't cropped up on any streaming service. You have, you have to like buy the episodes on uh, an a la carte plan, which is a lot harder sell, but I love that show so much. And uh, The Tick, also killed by Amazon, actually. I love that. The the third go-round of The Tick, a, a humorous, uh, satirical superhero story that I loved a lot. So there's three, Patriot, Counterpart, and The Tick. If you would like to uh, send in a suggestion or question for a future episode, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade, 
and it may be included. I would like to thank FreshBooks, Direct Mail, and Eero for their support of this episode. If you want to find Jason's work online, go to uh, sixcolors.com or theincomparable.com, which is also where you can find Total Party Kill. Uh, and t- Jason is online is at Jasonell. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Uh, Upgrade is a part of Relay FM. If you enjoy this show but don't listen to any other Relay FM shows, oh boy, is there a lot of content out there for you. Go to relay.fm slash shows, and I guarantee you will find at least one other thing that interests you. Uh, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Upgrade. Say goodbye, Jason Snell. Stay tuned, everybody.